Welcome back to the Northern Steel Podcast. This is actually episode 13. Lucky or unlucky number 13, but it is not episode 12 because we got the episode numbers wrong last week. I'm here. I'm your host, Dominic, and this is my brother, Chris, Christopher, Chris Peasy, CPAC, Chris BP, and whatever other name you want to call him. Chris, how you feeling? You know, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day here in Minnesota. I can't really complain, but it, it, I don't know, Dom, looking at your screen, it doesn't really look like you're in Minnesota. Where are you at? Where are you coming in from? It's odd that you don't think I'm in Minnesota because I'm definitely inside, but I am not in Minnesota. <laughs> I am in a hotel room. I'm in Florida. I am filming the Special Olympics for work. It's really awesome to be here with all these great athletes and watching them compete in many different events. And uh, getting ready to prepare for the Special Olympics in 2026, which will be in Minnesota. So if you're a a fan of the Special Olympics and of the athletes, make sure you check them out on ESPN right now, playing the games in Florida. Or you get ready for four years from now, where they'll be performing in Minnesota. Uh, We had some ideas for some topics to talk about this week, uh, but... (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of those fell through. Uh, not a lot happened in the NFL this week, so there's a couple tidbits here and there. I'll kind of let Chris start off, and I'll jump in when I know something, but it's been a whirlwind for me this past week. So why don't you go ahead and, Chris, take it over. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Dom was saying, not not a lot of things have really been happening. You know, obviously, we're, what are we, heading into week three of OTAs right now? And Actually, uh, no, so actually, no, 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 uh, minicamp just started. Oh, minicamp just started. Okay, so minicamp just started. Um, so all the all the all the guys are are getting together and everything, and and, and not a ton of news. I'm kind of been waiting and, and uh, creeping around social media, looking at you know all these different uh, Steeler reporters and things, and I I haven't found really anything. So I decided to kind of do my own little research, kind of dig in and and just kind of see what. Um, you know, so watch some different reports going on. You know, I, I saw uh, some interviews going on from around the team with both players, coaches, and staff. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, Dom, you said you haven't really heard anything along those lines. Well, I, I mean, I've just heard, I haven't done extensive research. I haven't had the time to like listen to interviews and do whatnot. But like I said, I know it's mini camp right now. I know little tidbits here and there. I see that the Steelers are one of the teams right now implementing the new safety helmets from minicamp. Uh, they're, they look like big, giant foam pads on top of their helmets. It looks kind of wild. Um, so that's cool. And uh, I mean, there's little tidbits I can go here and there. So if you if you end up talking about a player, I'll just kind of jump in and, and say, well, what do I do now? Sure. Well, I'm not going to talk about a player quite yet. In fact, I'm going to go about offense and defense. And first, let's start with offense. All right. So um, obviously looking through and watching all these interviews, um, I've seen Matt Canada's name brought up a, a, a lot recently, to be honest. And, and a lot of it, too, is uh, players kind of reporting how they're hearing a lot new terminology coming out of his mouth. You know, he's teaching them a lot of new things. And, and it seems very intriguing to a lot of the players like they like what they're hearing but it's a lot of learning and things that they got to do which is very interesting because you know it i feel like i when matt canada got brought on last season i i remember talking to you about it and 
you know, you were very much on the boat of like, uh, I don't know, we could have gone elsewhere, you know, look, look otherwise from within. And and I, I was like, you know, my Mr. Glass half uh, full kind of guy and, and always being like, oh, yeah, Matt Canada, he's our savior. He's going to be so good. Well, you know what? Uh, last year really didn't pan out. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with having an immobile quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think obviously now we have, you know, we have Mitch, we have Mason, we have Kenny and even Chris, uh, you know, playing at quarterback. I think that opens up the playbook a lot. I am, you know, I got my boy repping Chris Oladokun, uh, <laughs> you know, not only for the school, but for our names, us, Chris has really got to stick together. Very true. Um, mm hmm. Uh, but it was just kind of really cool to uh, uh, hear him talk about the potential of uh, opening up the playbook, running some more RPOs, doing some jet sweeps, uh, you know, things like that. And then also talking about placement within the offense. You know, I, I remember earlier on, we talked a lot about uh, the two wide receivers that we picked up in the draft, George Pickens and uh, Calvin Austin, the third. And, you know, a lot of people are getting really excited. Those are two really big names and big names that you and I looked at uh, through the draft process. Uh, but it's kind of cool that they're, you know, trying to incorporate them in all different parts of the offense, seeing where they fit, where they mold best. So I, I remember when Pickens got drafted, I was like, this dude's going to be on the outside. You know, he's big, he's tall, whatever. But it sounds like they're putting him a lot at the, the slot, trying to get him uh, used and comfortable to that position. Um, yeah, when it comes kinda, to b- b- before before you get too far, when it comes to Canada, um, I know like glass half falls just fine. But I think where I'm coming from, my perspective is um, this is kind of just his prove it year. I know it sounds maybe a little mean because oh, yeah. it's because it's only his second year. And you're right. I will. You you can give him the benefit of the, of the doubt because he did not have a mobile quarterback last year. Um, but that's all fine and dandy that players are liking his plays. But I we need to see it translate on a field. And this is our first year to like really take a look at what does a Met Canada offense look like, and we'll see if that is successful for us and if that's the right fit. When it comes to George Pickens and Calvin Austin, before you move on to that, um, again I've heard great things about both as well. Uh, Pickens I've heard is already forming a great relationship with Trubisky, who right now is the only quarterback that's throwing it deep in practice in minicamp. I was going to um, touch on that, yeah. He's the only guy who's, who's who's doing that, but I also hear that he's raw and he's got a lot of work to do, Pickens does, which is fine. Don't need to panic about that. That's kind of the whole point of being a rookie. However, on the opposite end with Calvin Austin, I've heard that uh, he studies tapes, tape very well and he practices very well, and the way he speaks doesn't sound like a rookie. So maybe there might be a surprise for people who think that he's too small for the NFL, but with the right preparation, you never know. He could be uh, lightning in a bottle. Oh, seriously. I I mean, both players I'm very, very excited for and kind of see how they're going to be worked into the offense. Um, Being rookies and having guys like Claypool and Johnson, I don't know how much involvement they're going to get, whether they like snap count wise, you know what I mean? But um it's it's going to be interesting, and obviously, like I said before, this is the time where you're going to need to start building that relationship. You know, uh, building the team chemistry as a whole. Um, it's it's very exciting, and and like you said with Trubisky, you know, because they they talked about the quarterback room, 
It is true. It sounds like Trubisky is the one who's taking the most chances down the field. He's the one who's not scared to launch it down there. And, you know, in a way, I, you know, I, we brought him in for a reason, right? You know, I, I think he's he's obviously the person in our quarterback room who's been in the NFL the longest. You know, he has a lot to prove. And I think, you know, getting yourself out there, throwing it down the field, showing what you can do both with your feet and your arm is going to ultimately prove to the coaches who's going to be starting that week one. Right. Um, yeah. And then um, also another thing, talking on the quarterbacks, uh, I saw a little report too uh, in regards to Kenny Pickett and how it, it sounds like things are going really well for him. You know, he's getting along with his teammates, which is awesome. Uh, the big thing that stood out to me is it sounds like uh, when he's in there watching tape or practice, it sounds like it's very similar to the same mentality that Najee had last year where coaches are like, all right, it's time to go home. You need to go home. Like we've gone through the day, but it's, it seems like Kenny's, he's eager. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. You know, I, I hope that all this criticism that he took coming on with like the small hands and all this stuff, like almost just kind of ignites a fire in him and just kind of keeps him motivated to keep working on his craft and getting better. And, and, you know, I think all a lot of Steelers fans are going to panic when Kenny doesn't start a game this year. I think a lot of fans are going to panic. Um, I think I think the only way potentially it's very early to say this, but I think the only way potentially he starts a game this year is if Mitch gets injured or if he just absolutely trashes the bed. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of get a little more optimistic about Mitch. The more I think about it, the more the time passes. Uh, but it, you know, don't. If you're a Steelers fan, do not freak out if Kenny does not start this year. Uh, at at Pitt in college, Kenny improved every year. So what Chris is saying with him, like being in the study rooms and they're trying to kick him out, that's what he did in college too. And he took he took a step every single year to try and get better and to try and improve himself. That's the kind of person he is. He's not a prodigy. He's not a uh, number one talent guy athlete. He just he works hard and he's going to work his craft. So if if he doesn't start this year, that's fine, but he's going to take this year and he's going to soak it all in and he's going to study camp and watch Mitch and, and be with the team and he'll always be improving. So um, there are some other things that, uh, that I have seen um, real quick as Chris is going to take a quick call, a uh, very important business call. I'm sure uh, Najee has, again, been enlightening the media with the way he answers questions. Uh, he already, uh, we had a rant last week about people calling Najee Harris fat and <laughs> saying he's 240 pounds or whatnot. Um, and he's been dishing it back to the media. He's been saying the same thing about people making it up. And I love the way he answers media. People ask him dumb questions and he gives them the dumb answers and pretty much telling them not to waste his time, which I've seen some people say that Maybe that's the wrong attitude to have. I love it. I think the media gets a lot of players in trouble. I think they're trying to find the dumb dirt. And yeah, maybe it might be more professional to just answer the questions and let it go. But uh, enough's enough at some point. And <laughs> sometimes you just got to let people know, stop asking me dumb, dumb questions. Um, I know that there is some good defensive stuff going on with Brian, with Brian Flores and Miles Jack and Devin Bush. That's getting very exciting. A lot of players are really high to be 
playing with with uh, Brian Flores and playing under him, and I foresee that continually to go well. And I think I'm really excited to watch that now. However, as we talked about last week, with Stefan Tuitt being retired, that does leave a hole, right? I know we're known for defense. We're excited about defense, but there are still some holes out there that you really got to think about to see, you know, how good can we be? A lot of this stuff, it's it's hard to predict. I want to be a glass half full. You know, for the past maybe decade, like full decade, every single year I had Super Bowl aspirations. This is the first year in a long time where I don't. I barely have playoff aspirations. And that's not to say that I think the Steelers are going to be bad this year. It's not to say that I think they're going to suck this year. It's I, I just don't have those aspirations because we're going through such a big change. We've, we're a new GM, our, our quarterback for the past uh, almost two decades has retired. Uh, we're going through a big change. So to look at the defense on paper, where with Stephon Gunn, who had 11 sacks the last year he played, replacing with Isaiah Laudermilk, who I do like, and DeMarvin Leal, who I am excited for, is right now, without seeing any gameplay, can be a little worrisome. As well as our two starting cornerbacks being Akello and Levi Wallace, without seeing them play on paper, can be worrisome. Of course, Akello played well last year when he played those last six games. Had like three, three picks in the final six games. Played very, very shut down. Made me a believer in, in the fact that we traded a pick for him and made up for that because I was kind of upset what happened. And of course, he wasn't playing. Um, but he really turned it on. And, you know, Levi was a solid number two for Buffalo. But without watching him play, I'm not really sure how strong that cornerback duo is. Um, but oh, also, you know, without edge depth as well behind TJ and behind Highsmith. That's also scary. I know they signed Tuzar, we got Gennard Avery, and maybe those guys are great uh, rotational pieces, you know, because we didn't think that Taco and uh, Derek Tuska would be those great as rotational pieces, but they, they didn't do too bad. They really didn't. Um, I wish Melvin Ingram wouldn't have, you know, been as offended by not getting playing time, even though I, I believe that he knew the role there. But... He definitely could have played a bunch of games. TJ Watt got hurt a lot. Um, so it'd be nice to get a veteran presence for backup depth. I just don't know if the Steelers will do that. Uh, we've said the same thing for a lot of podcasts now about finding uh, more depth for running backs. Now, I've actually heard Anthony McFarland do pretty well at OTAs. And uh, not many camps are starting. Hopefully he can continue on that trajectory. So it'd be nice to see him get more of a role. That's kind of the whole point with Anthony McFarland is to be that speedy guy to help spell Najee Harris, to help release some of the pressure. And that's what he talked about today. And a lot of people are, again, take everything and, and freak out about it. Najee said he wants a reduced role on the offense. That's okay. He, his role in the offense is way too big anyways. I love Najee Harris, but he's an older running back as well, and we need to preserve him as much as we can. Even the best running backs, Derrick Henry, uh, Jonathan Taylor, they average, I don't know the exact number, I know it's like low 70s or high 60% of, of, of carries. Najee got like 98% last year. That's absurd. 
So to... I totally... Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, uh, sorry oh, about that. The, I, I but, totally agree. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh... I I think I know what we're talking about. I totally agree with you, though. I mean, it, it's everything that we talked about before and such a common thing. Najee was the workhorse. We got to get him, you know, some mileage off of him. Um, and you and I literally talked about this earlier today. It's like, if we want to keep this guy around long term and not retire after six years, then we, we got to find that second back. So, yeah, hopefully Anthony McFarlane can step it up and actually play this year to give him a little bit of that break in between. While you were gone, I also talked about defense a lot. So I probably covered a lot what you're going to say about um, Brian Flores, hopefully. I don't want to repeat anything for people who have already listened to it. but That's fine. But, but Brian Flores, like, um, uh, you know, players being excited to play for him, Miles Jack, Devin Bush. But I also voiced a concern that I don't know if you were going to talk about with uh, some people want to, want to believe that our defense is going to be amazing, Right. And our defense, we've had we have star players in our defense, but as a unit, they weren't amazing. I'm hoping that Brian Flores kind of helps it out. But with two retiring, that does leave a hole there. Even though I like Laudermilk and Leal, um, our cornerbacks are unproven. I would love to see them do great, but we haven't seen them play yet, so it's hard to really estimate yet. And uh, there's no really edge depth. However, the edge depth we had last year wasn't good, but they per- they performed, I thought, pretty well. So you never know. Yeah, and, and every year you always see a James Pierre post where they're like, yo, he's getting so good, he's locked down and everything. And and obviously I would love for that to happen if it can translate onto the actual football field against other teams. I'm all for it. But like right now, I guess uh, Kello and, and Levi and Cam Sutton, uh, they're just going to have to be the guys that we roll with. And they're, they're, those are a little bit of the, the pieces of the defense that I also am personally worried about is our, is our secondary um, yeah, but I'm. I mean, heck, I I feel like yeah, even with Tua being gone, you know, and having the rotation of Laudermilk and um, Leal, um, even having Alu Alu back, even though he's back from injury, I think is going to be awesome and good. So cool. Um, that's that's mostly what I had uh, heard from things like like little tidbits around, but we're we're definitely in the slow period of the Steelers offseason minicamp, of course, just started. So I'm hoping to see some videos, some more interviews should be coming out shortly. But we're kind of in the slow period right now. Um, so I think we can move on to maybe some more like little fun things, Steeler things. This episode is going to be a pretty short one. We uh, again, like we had some ideas, but those kind of canceled out. So let's let's kind of move on to some more fun things. And you know, what, actually, Chris, before we move on to some of the fun stuff, I know that you and I talked privately about, <laughs> about this. Um, I just want to say a little bit about it, but I don't want to dig myself a hole because I don't want this to come back and bite me in the, bite me in the butt. But, uh, Uh-oh. the Deshaun Watson stuff with the Browns right now is so Absurd, And it is crazy to me that the NFL hasn't done anything about it yet. Um, I don't want to say like the reason why I didn't want to talk about it yet is because I know how I feel about it. Um, We never wanted him on the team. Chris and I didn't. And it's very true. Uh, If you don't believe it too bad. That is how we felt. We did not want him. And if 
And if we would have got him, it would have been really hard, not just to root for the Steelers in general, um, but this, but as like a whole organization, it would have been hard to continue doing that. And I know a lot of Steeler fans are kind of feeling embarrassed that they wanted him. And you honestly, you should feel embarrassed that you wanted him. And a lot of Browns fans are trying to stay by, stick by their guns and say that this was a good decision. And I just don't think it is. I think you really need to like make it bigger than football and really take a look at this choice that the Browns have made. Again, I don't want to speculate how long a suspension may be because if I had to take a guess, I bet the NFL gives them a little slap on the wrist and calls it a day, which would be unfortunate. So, um, but when uh, actual punishment gets called out, I'll probably talk about it more in depth. But I just want to say that how that it's so crazy how things are ramping up more and more and more. And it just seems like a very bad decision for a Cleveland team to do what they do. So the Browns is the Browns, I suppose. But we'll move on to some happy stuff. <laughs> some some, some <laughs> yeah. good memories. So last week we talked about... Um, some of our favorite Steeler memories, Chris and I talked about the first game we saw live at Heinz Field together. It was a comeback for the ages. I would suggest listening to the episode because I will not tell you what happens in it because we need more listens per episode. So go listen to that. But uh, I thought we could both quick share a quick one and then call it a day for this week. And we'll try to find some more fun stuff when I'm back home and uh, not filming all day long. So... And also, Chris is actually about to get ready to leave for a trip as well. So, <laughs> so Chris, why don't you share another one of your favorite Steeler moments from watching the team we all love? Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Uh, just, But I feel like a lot of people are going to be feeling the exact same way as I am for this one. Uh, and to preface this... Um, I started watching the Steelers back in the 2005 season when they did win the Super Bowl. Uh, so I just missed Ben's rookie year, but, you know, I, I got to watch uh, Bettis's last year as a Steeler. And I have been a lifelong Jerome Bettis fan. Uh, you know, I he's always someone that I looked up to and everything. So just a little preface, you know, going into this. But uh, I'm, one of my favorite memories of the Steelers is from that 2005 season. Uh, it was it was wild. I felt like it was a roller coaster, you know, after coming off of Ben's rookie year being a 15 and one and then, you know, just losing to the Patriots at the end. I felt like everyone was kind of like, who are these Steelers? Who's this young rookie quarterback? Like, I feel like they have this really solid defense. What's what's going on? And then, you know, we we went into that season and we were firing on all cylinders. I'm pretty sure we started the year like three and one or something like that. I can't really remember yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but but then obviously uh, we took a loss because Big Ben uh, got hurt and he was out for you know a number of weeks and and uh, things started slowing down a little bit. You know, we'd win a couple, lose a couple, whatever, and um, we were getting to the end part of the season. Uh, it I, I, what were we like eight and five, seven and or five. something like that, seven seven and five, and we're like, gosh, if if we want a chance at the playoffs, we got to win out. And, you know, I, I remember the game that literally turned it all around and it was, uh, I believe is in Chicago. No, no, it was at, at home in Pittsburgh against Chicago. Yeah. And it was 
a, a tundra. It was basically like blizzarding outside and, you know, visibility was low. You know, everything was, it was crazy. It was hard hitting football. And, and this was the game that, you know, Cowher said, Hey, if we're going to do this, we got to look at it as like our records. Oh no. And it's one win at a time from this point out. All right. And so then we're going into that game, you know, we're playing well. Jerome Bettis is probably having his best game of the year because they keep feeding him the ball, you know, that heavy, hard hitting football. He's, he's breaking runs for like 15 yards and everything. You just did not see that from him because Willie Parker was our guy that year. And, uh, and I do remember one touchdown specifically, which is my favorite memory. And this is the one I wanted to speak on, uh, was when Jerome Bettis got handed the ball right in the goal line. And, uh, he meets Brian Erlacher right there. And everyone knows Brian Erlacher. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and literally just he's in the perfect tackling position. Like, I don't know how you're going to get past him, but it's the, the boss, baby. You know, he's so good. He's so strong. This is why he's my favorite player. He he looked him dead in the eyes. He said, move, boy. So then he did. He moved him. He literally bowled this man over and get, rushed in for the touchdown. Oh, dude, I can't tell you how thrilled I was. I was so excited. I was like jumping for joy as a, what, nine-year-old or something like that at that point. Oh, gosh, it was it was a blast. I, I, I remember that vividly. I can see that play again and again in my head. It was awesome. It's and then the obviously sh- we won the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely the play that they show a lot from when they talk about Jerome Bettis' legacy. And, uh, that was definitely, and that was the start of the... Eight game win streak as Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl that year, which was awesome. As the um, first ever sixth seed. Yeah, as first. Yep. And uh, there are so many moments that I can recall that are, are my favorite from the Steelers, which is great to say that as a fan, that I have so many. One that I remember really well watching from the game at home on TV uh, was the Immaculate Extension from AB on Christmas Day. I remember, you know, at the time, I think we've played more now, but for a while, the Steelers did not play holiday games a lot. It took a while. So so I remember they got scheduled to play on Christmas uh, Day or Christmas Eve. I think it was Christmas uh, I believe it's Christmas Eve. Okay, oh, so I don't remember. I'll look it uh, up. You keep talking. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that big a deal, um, but... They're playing the Ravens, and basically whoever would win that game was going to win the division and make it to the playoffs. And uh, the Steelers kind of got off to a slow start. I think they went down 14-0 pretty quick. Or maybe they would score a touchdown first, and then we're down 14 points very fast. Uh, but I remember sitting on the couch in my parents' living room uh, with Chris there as well and just being very dejected, and I was just kind of silent. I was just watching. I, I sometimes when I watch Steelers games, I get very quiet, yeah, mad, sad, or nothing. I I, I kind of analyze the games. I like to kind of I can see where it's heading, and I don't r- really try to think of like an absurd situation where they can come back and kind of I can kind of see. I can take off my rose tinted glasses and see the outcome at the end of the tunnel. Um, but for some reason, that one I, I kept holding out hope and. After the halftime, they kept crawling back with some touchdowns, making some good plays against the Ravens. And when it came to that last drive, I was just sweating. I hadn't said a word, but I was just, I was shivering from my sweat. My teeth were just chattering. And 
that uh, touchdown to AB when there was the time was rolling off the clock and they had to throw it to the end zone. And you kind of knew that was going to go to AB. Who else was going to go to? That's just he was the guy. That's that's who you throw to. And threw that slant across the middle, and for a split second, my heart stopped because I didn't think it was going to make it. And they extended that arm over, and we won. I just remember jumping off the couch like crazy. I couldn't believe it. I think I watched that highlight all week, like five times a day of that same play. And uh, and definitely made Christmas memorable for me. Sorry, sorry, Baltimore. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a great, a great moment as a fan to watch the Steelers games. Um, again, we would love to hear any of anyone listening at home. We'd love to hear your favorite moment watching the Steelers, watching the team we all love most. Um, any moment would be awesome. If you, if you'd like to share it, you can message us on Twitter at the Northern Steel podcast. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, on OnlyFans, on Tinder, on Grinder, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect. We'd love to kind of grow this thing and get get a little bigger. But again, we're in the kind of slow part of the off season, so we're just gonna work work towards it. We're gonna try to find some new fun things to talk about, some maybe a little Steeler issue games when we have some actual time to think about it. And uh, Chris, do you have anything to add before we sign it off here? No, I just, again, uh, we promise we'll come back with more content. Season's a little slow right now, and we're both really busy with travel, but uh, we're, we're going to be coming back, and we're going to be coming back strong. So please stick with us, and uh, we're, we look forward to uh, chatting again. For sure, for sure. Uh, that is the Northern Steel Podcast, episode 13. I'm your host, Dominic, with my co-host, Chris, and we are signing off. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.